Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Cavs Nation? I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and this is another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm joined by your favorite beat reporter, Chris Fedor. What up, Chris? Another late one. What's going on, Ethan? Yeah, Chris, it's been a long day, but we grinding through it. But today, I want to talk about the depth of this Cavs team and how they've been grinding. Donovan Mitchell was out with an illness in Wednesday's game against the Jazz, and the Cavs still were able to pull out a victory behind a scorching bench performance. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you thought about the overall performance, who stood out, and what's going on with the Cavs right now? Yeah, I mean, it seems simplistic because it's not this way. It's a team thing. A lot of guys have stepped up, but Sam Merrill has won the last two games for the Cavs. His gravity, his shooting, his scoring boost off the bench. Without him, there's no way that they win these last two games, especially tonight. I mean, career high night, eight threes. There was a point in the game, Ethan, where Karis LeVert was dribbling the ball up the court. He was initiating the offense. And Sam Merrill made a sharp cut. Two members of the Utah Jazz followed him toward the baseline and toward the corner near the Cavs bench and left Karis Levert wide open for three-point range. And Karis like kind of looked around and he was like, well, wait a minute. Nobody's going to guard me out here? I've already made three threes tonight. I've already got close to 20 points tonight. Well, this is unusual. I guess I'm going to shoot this. And he had all that time to just gather himself because the kind of attention that Sam Merrill is drawing from these opponents. You can't give him a sliver of space. You can't help off of him. And it just opens up the floor for everybody else, and it makes things easier on everybody else. So to me, yeah, it's been a total team effort. 75 points off the bench for the Cavs tonight against Utah. That's unheard of. So George Niang deserves credit. Tristan Thompson's been really, really good as the backup big. Karis Levert. He closed the game instead of Craig Porter Jr. Craig Porter Jr. slides into the starting lineup. So yeah, total team effort across the board, but they don't win these last two games without Sam Merrill. He has been spectacular. 100%. And I wanted to get your thoughts on the starting lineup because we talked about it since the beginning of the season. We said that Karras wanted to be in the six-man role. And we even talked to Karras earlier this season where he said that, but... Karis also said that 
when Donovan or Darius were out because we weren't expecting this to happen at the same time because the Cavs were without Donovan Mitchell. The Cavs were without Evan Mobley. The Cavs were without Darius Garland. The Cavs without Ty Jerome. The Cavs were without Ricky Rubio. The Cavs were without all of the players that they thought could potentially be a starter coming into the season. And they decided to go with the undrafted rookie instead of Karras as the starter for tonight. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes to show, Ethan, that it really doesn't matter who starts, who comes off the bench. Like, what's most important usually in today's NBA is who finishes these games. When it comes to starters, you're just trying to get off to a good start. You're trying to gain some continuity. You're trying to have some consistency within your lineup. But when it was crunch time in the final six minutes of the game, no surprise, J.B. Bickerstaff rode Karis LeVert, and he trusted Karis more than Craig Porter Jr. Porter played two minutes in the fourth quarter. Karras played 10 in the fourth quarter. So it's one thing to start a game. It's another thing to finish a game. And I think it makes sense that JB went with Craig Porter Jr. It just made it easier on JB and it made it easier on the Cavs to kind of work with their rotations. And given the chemistry that the second unit is building together and given the way that they're playing alongside one another with the ball moving knowing what their role is going to be, where their shots are going to come from, when they're going to come into games, when they're going to exit games, like all that kind of stuff can contribute to a team being comfortable and individual players being comfortable. And I think JB looked at the situation and said, well, what's going to allow us to make it as easy as possible on these guys when it comes to not playing with all these different players and he decided that sliding Craig Porter Jr. into the starting lineup made the most sense, and I think it was the right move. And I think that's the lineup that we'll get to see going forward because we don't know how long Donovan's going to be out. He was out with an illness. It is that time of year. Like, everybody's catching something. We saw the New Orleans Pelicans, who they play tomorrow, Thursday night. They have had three different players go out with non-COVID illnesses. So it's just that time of year, and I think the Cavs are adjusting well because you think about how many fans wrote this team off when they heard that Darius and Evan was going to be out, not to mention Donovan being out as well. So it's just been a testament to this bench, like you said, 75 points off the bench, but we also need to talk about how they got there. You think about Jared Allen holding down the paint by himself. It's a different ball game for him. Like he even said in an interview during pregame a couple of days ago that sometimes he would take the easy way out and just lob the ball up to Evan when inside the paint because that's always an option, it seems. Now he's had to orchestrate his own offense, and we've seen the Cavs kick the ball down to Jarrett and kind of use him as like an offensive hub and allowing Sam Merrill to run off of screens, allowing Max Struess to get open in the corner, George Niang. And that also led to the Cavs shooting 50-plus threes tonight, which we talked about earlier in the season, not even that much earlier, a couple weeks ago, where Max Struess was like, well, we have the shooters, we should shoot more. And now this team has gone from shooting 30 threes in a night to shooting 40-plus in the last three games. Well, I give JB Bickerstaff and the coaching staff a lot of credit here, Ethan, because Here's what it comes down to, and it's always been that way for JB, and and I don't think he deserves all the credit for this. The front office certainly does for assembling this roster as well and identifying weaknesses 
and addressing those weaknesses in the offseason or in the last year and a half, if you want to expand it back to when the Cavs decided to give Sam Merrill a 10-day contract first and then a multi-year contract after that. But JB has always been willing to adapt play style based on the personnel that he had to work with. If you remember a couple of years ago, as he talked about pregame, it wasn't the plan going into the season to do a three-big lineup with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and Lowry Markkinen. But he felt like that was the best path given the Cavs personnel, because at that time, they also had Kevin Love. So instead of using two positions to try and find a bunch of minutes for four different guys that would occupy those two positions, he expanded it to a third position and it allowed him to play big minutes to Laurie. It allowed him to play big minutes with Jarrett and Evan, and it allowed Kevin Love to have a role as well. So he took four of his top eight guys and found a creative way to get them the kind of playing time that they deserved. And then you can keep looking at the different variations of this roster over the last couple of years. And JB has shown that flexibility. He's shown that adaptability. And here we are again. This is a defense first team. It has been a defense first team, in part because you have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen together. Two defensive player of the year types, anchoring your defense, protecting the paint, covering up for your weaknesses, and just allowing the Cavs to be a dominant defensive team. But we have also talked about when one of them is out of the lineup, their defense suffers. Duh. So knowing that the defense is going to suffer a little bit and you can't lean into that as much, you got to find a different way to win these games, right? 127 points against the Hawks, an offensive rating of 126. The next night against the Houston Rockets, 135, an offensive rating of 122. Tonight against the Jazz, 124 points, an offensive rating of 122. So the Cavs see the different personnel that they have, understand that Sam Merrill has some weaknesses on defense, George Niang some weaknesses on defense, but they gain so much and they're playing to the strength of this group of personnel. And this group of personnel, with Merrill playing a bunch, Niang playing a bunch, Struess being out there for close to 36 minutes, Dean Wade and his ability to space the floor and shoot from the outside, very different than Evan Mobley at the four position. You have to hoist a bunch of threes. You have to lean more into your offense because you're not going to consistently be able to win games the same kind of way with the same blueprint. So yeah, with this group of personnel, they're going to hoist 50 plus threes. Half of their shots are probably going to come from three-point range because that's the style that they have to play with some of the people that they're going to be using more during the stretch to overcome these absences. And especially if they're going to shoot 45%. Well, they're not going to do that every night. That would be nice if they did that every night. They're not going to make 23 every night, but it's playing to the strength of the guys that JB has at his disposal at this point in time. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to look a little bit closer into how this offense has operated through the past and how that has helped them over the last couple of games. But before then, become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and I by subscribing to Subtext. 
Subtext is where you can leave questions and or interact with us on a daily basis, and we'll answer them either on the pod or directly to your phone. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. We'll be right back. We're back. Chris, obviously this Utah game was a complete game from the entire team. And we saw Cleveland notch a season-high 34 assists on 45 made field goals. And it's just the fifth time this season they've had 30 or more assists, with the previous high being against the 76ers when they had 33. How integral to this offense is it that they are moving the ball around, it's hopping, And they're just being able to get open looks because, obviously, defenses cannot keep up with the pass. Well, it's critical in part because they just don't have the same weaponry on the floor. Without Darius Garland, you take away one of the best pick-and-roll players in the NBA, and you have to operate a different kind of way. When you take away Darius Garland, you take away somebody who is going to have the ball in the hands, somebody who is able to break down the defense off the dribble, create for himself, create for others. They just don't have as many of those guys. They just don't have the same kind of ability to just turn to that and use that almost as a security blanket on the offensive end of the floor. It has to be a share the wealth approach. It has to be ball movement. It has to be body movement. It has to be a different variation of the offense. I think it helps in some cases to have Jared Allen in four shooters, Tristan Thompson in four shooters, so the paint isn't as clogged. You're seeing some of the rewards of that. On top of that, like I do think we have to fairly point out the reality of the situation, too. Like The three teams that they have played against during this stretch, they were all winnable games before All of these guys went out with injury in part because the defenses that they were playing against just weren't to the same level of what the Cavs saw during the road trip that they just went on, where you're playing against Boston, where you're playing against Orlando, where you're playing against Miami, all top half of the NBA defenses. This is the Utah Jazz. They're bottom five in the NBA defensively. It was the Atlanta Hawks. They're bottom four in the NBA defensively. And I know that the Rockets, like they started out really, really good on the defensive end of the floor. But we talked about this on a previous podcast. They're just a completely different team on the road than they are at home. So that's part of it as well. It's capitalizing on lesser defenses that may not have the personnel or be as equipped schematically to counter this particular approach that the Cavs are using. In saying that, Ethan, they deserve a lot of credit for sharing the ball, 
for getting everybody involved, multiple guys in double figures on a nightly basis, five different guys with at least 13 shots. So the shot attempts were spread out as well. It's been really, really fun to watch this kind of style of basketball. I don't know if it's sustainable against the top level teams. I don't know if they have the talent to match up with the top level teams, but right now they're not playing against the top level teams. So it's good enough in this stretch. And I think we talk about Karis LeVert. We talk about Sam Merrill. We talk about Karis LeVert. And it seemed like this team against the Jazz wasn't just going with rotations. They were leaning into that bench lineup. They had all four of the bench guys go in and then have Isaac Okoro stay in. It was Tristan Thompson, Sam Merrill, George Niang, and Isaac Okoro. It it just seemed like J.B. Bickerstaff understood that not only were they being as productive as the offense of the starters, but at times more so productive. And I believe the defense of the bench is probably better than the starters defense. Well, I mean, given what's available right now, it's tough to argue against that, but it's not like George Niang is an elite defender or anything like that. I mean, Sam Merrill can hold his own for sure, but he's out there more to space the floor and knock down outside shots. But I mean, I think it's weird to say this, Ethan, but I just don't think the last three games have had to do with the Cavs defense at all. <laughs> I mean, it's no longer a team that that is as equipped to win games ugly games low scoring games on the defensive end of the floor i think if they're going to continue to survive this stretch based on what's missing on this team i think they're going to have to put up scores between 115 and 125 i think that's also an opportunity just to show that they can do that a lot of this team was built around its defense thinking that We have to be gritty. We have to be tough on that end of the floor because we're not going to make this amount of shots. We're not going to get past this threshold of scoring. And now the Cavs organization, the fans, everybody's really seeing that when they want to, they could potentially have both. But that's all going to be decided as where the Cavs look like when the people they get back come back and what offense they want to run. So for now... You just got to wait and see because at this moment, they play the Pelicans next and you got to see what offense they're going to run, who they're going to put out there to space the floor. If Donovan's out, I presume they're going to run with the same starting lineup that they had tonight. I have a question for you. So Sam Merrill talked about this following the game and J.B. Bickerstaff talked about this following the game. And and we've talked about this on the podcast. J.B. Bickerstaff is a guy who is very comfortable when the team is fully healthy, given the amount of minutes that he wants to allocate, the big minutes that he wants to allocate to the core four players of Darius, Donovan, Evan, and Jarrett. And Max Struess has been playing a ton of minutes too, so we can expand that to the starting five. That because he's comfortable that way, like guys aren't getting as many opportunities throughout the course of the season, even though it's an 82-game grind and there are going to be injuries and da-da-da-da-da. But my question to you is, like, Sam Merrill can play here. He can shoot. Okay, so the 27 points kind of feels fluky, right? Back-to-back career nights, that kind of feels fluky. But, like, what he brings to the table, he can be a weapon on offense. It may not be eight threes a game. It may not be 20-something points a game. But he commands attention everywhere he goes 
because of what he's capable of. And no opponent wants to give him an open look for three. So given that this caliber player was sitting on the bench collecting DNPs, what does that say to you? What can the Cavs do differently moving forward when all these pieces get healthy? Like, it's a very, very interesting thing. Like, on one hand, JB has gone to him and he's taken advantage of his opportunity. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, well, why wasn't he getting an opportunity beforehand if he can do this? And your offense was struggling and you weren't shooting well from three-point range. And you had somebody on your bench that could do all of those things for you on the offensive end of the floor. I think the best thing for them to do, even when healthy, is to keep him on the bench. I don't know if that's anything that you were insinuating at all. No, it's not about like bench versus start. It's minutes versus no minutes. What I would do if I were JB is when Max Struess comes out, saying everybody's back. Donovan, Darius, Max, Evan, Jarrett. You usually bring out two guards at a time and flip them with Karis LeVert and another guard or another forward or whatever it may be. If you take Max Struess out, I think you replace him with a shooter. And I know Sam Merrill is smaller than Max, but that's why you put they put Donovan in the de facto one, then they put Sam in, then you maybe have Karis play the three at 6'9", or have Dean Wade play the three. That's more so what I would think, because you need that floor spacing. And I think... Max, who had six threes tonight, went six for 12. You need that spacing. You need that threat. And I don't necessarily think Max has gotten the same level of coverage since Sam has, just because on the scouting report right now, Sam Merrill is one of the top three things on most teams' list because he's been playing out of his mind the last couple of games. Across the league, People knew that the Cavs signed Max Struess to be a shooter. Sam Merrill hasn't been on the scouting report up until the last week. So if this continues, obviously he will be more so sought after as we saw today. Two guys chasing after him, leaving Karis LeVert wide open. I think if you change him out as a shooter with whenever Max comes out, put him at the two, allow him to create space and keep eyes on him, When Donovan's back, that's going to help him being able to play isolation basketball because you can only guard. You can only guard so many people. Somebody's going to be open. Darius, isolation basketball. That also opens up the opportunity for lobs, for back cuts, for all of those things that the Cavs are known for. You think of running a play that has a double pick, a pin down pick and a high screen with Evan and Jarrett with Sam coming around the corner and Donovan being the point guard or Darius being the point guard. It seems on paper, on on the clipboard, on on the whiteboard that they draw on this play up on, it seems hard to beat because you have one person that you know is an elite scorer in the league and then somebody who shoots the light out. So that's what I would do if I were the Cavs going forward. Where does this take minutes from? Let's go through that. And I wanted to ask you this at some point today. Craig Porter Jr., just his second start of his career, was on triple-double watch, didn't do a whole lot in the second half, but was orchestrating the offense in the first half. As minimum minutes as he gets, that's the person that I think would get his minutes taken from if he's already not a DNP. Right, but that's cheating. (laughs) You're you're cheating. (laughs) Because, like, here's the thing. I mean, 
it's basically a nine-man rotation when everybody is healthy. And and we know the eight. The eight are Darius Donovan, Max Struess, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. Then you've got Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, George Niang. So nine is a battle between Craig Porter Jr. slash Sam Merrill slash Tristan Thompson. Oh, and I forgot Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert was the, the guy, not Dean Wade. So it's Dean Wade slash Craig Porter Jr. slash Sam Merrill slash Tristan Thompson. Like, you can't go 13 deep. Not because you can't, but because J.B. Bickerstaff won't. And rotations just don't work like that. Yeah, I mean, NBA teams don't go 13 deep. Not in the regular season. It would depend on the matchup, obviously. Because if you have a primary ball handler that you want to put Isaac Okoro on, you don't have the same comfortability of putting Sam Merrill on them. But if you have a guard that is more off-ball, if you are playing someone who's not a point guard, who's not as comfortable dribbling the ball, that's where I would take minutes from Isaac and give them to Sam at this point. Because you want Isaac to be a 3 and D player. I don't think the Cavs are as comfortable. No, I know the Cavs aren't as comfortable with Isaac shooting the ball than Sam shooting the ball. Isaac's the main one because you can't switch out Sam for Dean because Dean brings up a bigger presence on the interior. There's another variable here that that I think sometimes people overlook is that you've got two guard spots. So you've got 96 total minutes in a game available at the guard spot. Donovan Mitchell is going to get 36 to 38 of those when everybody's healthy. Darius Garland's going to get like 34 to 36. So let's just say 35 apiece. Now you're at 70. Sam Merrill's not a backup point guard. He's a shooting specialist. He's more of a two guard. I don't think you can get away that much playing him at the three. Maybe in certain matchups. Maybe against certain teams. He's kind of longer than people would expect. But it's iffy. Like, that could be a creative way. But it's iffy. So he's not the backup point guard. He even said tonight that he's not as comfortable dribbling the ball as he was when he was in college. Yeah. So, like, now you've got 26 total minutes, and some of those have to go to a backup point guard if you feel like you have one that's worth putting into that spot. It's just once you start looking at it like that and understanding that Karis LeVert is going to get some of those guard minutes as well, like, it becomes harder to find minutes for somebody like Sam Merrill. And, like, he's got to be a part of this moving forward, in part because of the attention that he draws from an opposing defense and because of what that does for the rest of his teammates and because he's a weapon he can knock down threes. Like, having somebody who can knock down five to eight threes on a nightly basis, it's not going to happen every single night, but, like, has that shooting capability... You would think for a team that hasn't shot the ball well all year, they would find a place for him. But I guess what I'm saying is it gets more complicated when you start doing the math. I think the other thing that like J.B. Bickerstaff, who had a conversation with Sam during the season to figure out what he needed to do to stay ready and all that good stuff. What he likes most about Sam, it's not how he shoots the ball. It's not how he runs the court. It's not how he bodies up defenders that are three, four inches taller than him when he's get trying to get blown by. It's that he's coachable. He literally talked about, literally on Monday, talked about how 
JB yelled at him to shoot more threes that were more contested than Sam was comfortable shooting. Sam shot a good amount of contested threes against the Jazz. Some threes that he looked uncomfortable shooting, but he did it because he knew that's what the Cavs were asking of him. And I think that's huge for Sam and also for JB's trust in Sam. I guess the other way that they could potentially work him more consistently into the rotation is if you just trim minutes a little bit from each guy, right? Trim Max Struess down from 35 to 32. Trim Donovan Mitchell down from 36 to 33. Darius Garland a little bit. Karis LeVert a little bit. And then expand your rotation to 10 or 11. And the thing that I would say is like, If somebody has earned that, if somebody has this kind of skill set that fills in a roster gap of what you're looking for, you have to be a little bit more flexible as a coach and expand it a little bit. Because like one of the things that we talked about at the beginning of the season, Ethan, is that for JB, it was clear who he was trusting from the outset. And like while you could have made an argument for some of the other guys to work their way in the rotation and maybe get some of those minutes. It was also like, well, yeah, but would you rather X player play more minutes or X player get the 11th spot in the rotation or something like that? And then you started looking at it and saying, well, it makes more sense to give Max Struess big minutes or Donovan Mitchell big minutes or Darius Garland big minutes because you hadn't seen this from Sam Merrill, right? Because you hadn't seen anything at that point from Craig Porter Jr., Damian Jones. The other options that you were looking at didn't feel as appealing or seem as appealing. But now you've gotten this little opportunity to see Craig Porter Jr. in a bigger role, right? You've gotten this opportunity to see Sam Merrill in a bigger role. And then you keep going down the list and you say, well, if they started to show you something and they've earned those minutes, maybe you find a way even if it's outside your comfort zone, maybe you find a way to expand that a little bit to get those guys the playing time that they deserve. Because I think one of the worst things that JB as a coach could do and this organization could do is these guys get healthy again, at least the top nine, eight, nine in the rotation get healthy again. And it's like Sam Merrill starts collecting more DMPs. Like what does that do for a guy's confidence? I think that's a conversation that we'll have to have when these guys come back. But until then, that'll wrap up today's episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. But remember to become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and I by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word stop. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up Stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast, it's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. Y'all be safe. We out.